0: what the actual fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians yours truly sammy previtt owner of fine food freedom and jenna warner owner of happy strong healthy we can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body try, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Today we have the partner of (laughs) someone else that we interviewed. So we're really excited about this marital partnership and having both of them on separately as guests. But we had Alexis Connison, who is a clinical psychologist and certified eating disorder specialist in private practice in New York City. She is the owner of Conison Psychology Services, a health at every size informed group therapy practice special specializing in the treatment of binge eating disorder, disordered eating and body image. She's the founder of the anti diet plan, a weight inclusive online mindful eating program, and is the author of the diet free revolution 10 steps to free yourself from the diet cycle with mindful eating and radical self-acceptance. She was previously a research associate at the New York Nutrition Obesity Research Center. And I want to put a little disclaimer on that. Um, we talk a lot about her past and I'm using air quotes when I say obesity right now, but I know you guys can't see that, but we get into that in the episode. Um, And her research has been published and peer-reviewed in journals. She is a frequent speaker at conferences. She's been featured widely as an expert on the topics of mindful eating, body image, and diet culture in the media. And you can find her on social media at the diet plan on Instagram.
1: The anti-diet plan. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. (laughs) That's my pregnancy
0: (laughs) brain. So like <laughs> the like, diet just, plan yeah that makes I'm sense
1: to recognize again I said this off air but like Sam's speaking right now at 30 something weeks pregnant without like any breathlessness like it's amazing
0: <laughs> that's hilarious I didn't even like know that was a thing
1: oh my god I'm telling you at the end of my pregnancy I could not say a sentence without being like <gasps> because I guess Noah was just like pressing on my lungs in a weird way and like I couldn't make it up the stairs without resting like it was so bad mine so, is I just my so brain
0: not working so maybe you had like more of the physical breath and I just have like the mental like how I just read like the diet plan and it's like <laughs> no 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 sorry sorry Alexis the anti-diet plan
1: well to continue on Alexis is also a lifelong New Yorker who lives in Manhattan with her husband who you guys may or may not have heard his episode first, TBD, um, and their two daughters. She loves all things related to food, including cooking, food shopping, watching food shows on TV, and of course eating. But most rewarding is helping her clients transform their relationship with food and experience the joys of eating. She's a fierce advocate for helping people recognize the question, recognize and question the societal norms that encourage their feeling not good enough about themselves, so they can stop fixating on shrinking their bodies and reclaim. The space that they deserve in the world, um, which that's like such a beautiful bio. In this episode, we talk about so many different things, um, but the main focus towards like the middle of the episode that we spend a pretty good chunk of time on is something that has been a trend I feel like for like two plus years on social media, which is the "What I Eat in a Day" paradox, whatever you want to call it. And when they when you find the hashtag, it's like W I E. I a d whatever it is and i posted something on social media like with that as like the title the other day and my husband texted me and screenshotted it. i was like you spelled weird wrong
0: <laughs> like, at least that just shows matt's innocence that he has no idea what a what i eat in a day video is and like that's wonderful <laughs> like that's a good thing
1: i had to share that i was like no i didn't but thank you so much like now please like the post <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yes, Alexis is such a unicorn. And so is her husband, Gregory Dodell. So she's a psychologist. He's an endocrinologist. They're both couple. rooted in Hayes, you know, in New York city where there's such a need for, I mean, there's a need everywhere. Um, but between not only the, what I eat in a day videos, but then we touched just a little bit on partnership too, which I love because, Um, So many people are on an intuitive eating journey and don't know how to explain it to a partner. So she shared just a few tips on that, but I thought it was so powerful because it can be really hard when your partner doesn't understand the journey of recovery that you're on.
1: Yes. The episode was amazing. You guys enjoy it and we'll see you at the end. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the What the Actual Fork podcast. We are so excited about this. Episode today, we have Dr. Connison here, you who you might also know as the anti-diet plan on social media, who has the most beautifully, like, rainbow curated page on social, um, with so much good information to talk about. Dr. Connison, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. But our first question for all of our listeners, with for all of our guests that our listeners <laughs> love, is before we get into everything about you, in your travels in the diet culture world recently, and I feel like today is a really good day to ask this question. Have you had anything recently that made you like stop in your tracks and say, "What the actual fork is this?
2: Like every day, so much. (laughs) Everything, all day, every day. Um, I mean, one thing that I think has, I've been noticing recently is within even the eating disorder space, like how much we're seeing these um, what I eat in a day videos and like from eating disorder people. Damn, don't we know better than that? So, I get the message that people are trying to open it up and show that we can, you know, look at what we eat in a day and not necessarily have it be like all diet foods. Like, that's an awesome message. But I also think that we're each so different. And yeah, just looking at like what one person eats does not mean that you're going to end up looking like them.
1: Thank you so much for introducing the topic of our podcast today. Because (laughs) Sam and I, that is exactly what we wanted to talk to you about. And I said, before that I feel like today is a perfect day to chat about this too is because today is what May 3rd and the buzz about Kim Kardashian and the Met Gala mm-hmm. is just out of fucking control um and the post I just watched her story because somebody screen recorded it and shared it and the things that she said about being so hungry it is it, just so problematic so we would love to debunk this with you today <laughs>
0: yeah let's go there mm-hmm. Yes, but before we do, because we always get so excited about this, because like we have a topic we want to talk about, we want to ask you just a little bit, um, because we often have a lot of dietitians and medical professionals on here, so we would love to hear from you first of kind of just tell us, again, you can take 30 seconds, three minutes 30 the entire hour whatever you want to take um but we want to hear your story of like how you got to where you are today as a dietitian were you always in the eating disorder community as a dietitian or were you one of the unicorns that never caused harm and and provided the 1200 calorie meal plans like jenna and i or what was your story like if you don't mind sharing that with us So I'm a psychologist. So
2: thankfully I was able to avoid putting anyone on like meal plans or diet programs, but I definitely did have my fair share of being invested in a weight normative approach. I, um, you know, grew up myself personally with like a history of dieting and, um, struggled with that for, for a long time with kind of being on the wagon, off the wagon, and just not feeling great about my body. And then of course, figured that since I can't figure out how to make peace with that for myself, I'll tell everyone else how to do it. So I went into psychology with the goal of being in, being like a weight, weight loss therapist, basically like telling people how to lose weight. I did my training in a bariatric surgery program. I um, was trained in this, like, you know, kind of people just need more motivation to stick to a diet plan and lose weight and, um, you know, kind of uh, therapize their uh, problems away so that their body could release any kind of excess weight. So that was very much what I was trained in. And I'm super grateful that within, I'd say the first year of being out in the field and having my practice, I got exposed to the health at every size uh, paradigm. And um, it really just resonated with me because it aligned so much with my own experience of diets not working. And I was working in quote unquote obesity research at the time. And it also really aligned with the research because even within the obesity research, and I'm saying obesity in air quotes, but no one at home can see that. Um, but even within that paradigm, like there was no research supporting the idea that people could lose significant amounts of weight and keep it off long term. So again, you know, I started just, you know, I wouldn't say that it was like 180 degree transformation overnight, but the ideas of health at every size resonated and kind of rattled around in my mind. And I started researching it more and looking into it more and, you know, um, over 10 years later, that's really the, the foundation of, of my approach.
0: That is so, so helpful to hear because I think, and, and I think it's important to normalize that because so many medical professionals have so much shame, um, once they are exposed to health at every size and intuitive eating and anti-diet world. And it, it can be so overwhelming and so hard of like, how am I going to make this switch? Or like, how am I going to start to practice in a way that aligns with me? Um, so thank you so much for sharing that and just for having the courage to continue to learn and stay curious. And uh, I think it's important for people to see, like we didn't all just start out saying like all bodies deserve respect. And like, it's important to see the change that occurs. Um, So thank you for that. Yeah, and
2: you know, I think we're all swimming in diet culture, we're, we're all raised in it and that's the starting point for most of us. So there's no shame in being there, you know, I think we can take responsibility for our actions and um, try not to do harm and when we, you know, know better or we can do better, but I, I definitely don't think that shame, you know, is useful in, in terms of creating any kind of change.
1: Thank you for sharing that. There was actually, and specifically since you're in New York City, I'm sure there is a lot that you see in your practice. And there was a post yesterday. I know you share some mom content as well, but there was a viral post yesterday that somebody sent to me that was about feeding their kids. And I know that this isn't the topic that we're going to talk about, but when you said shame, it really connected for me. And this person was going off. I don't even know who she is. She's some sort of famous mom. Um, This person was going off about school lunches and how as parents we have this you know obligation to teach our children about heavy air quotes healthy foods and saying no to the kids at school that offer us cookies and my client sent it to me and was like well what do you think about this and I literally wrote back and I was like as my son is eating cookies for dinner right now because he (laughs) refused everything else like I just don't feel like parents need more shame um, and guilt and you have a post actually I think from yesterday or two days ago that that um, really talks about like the privilege and the ability to create these meals without shame for, for parents. Can we can we start on that topic like that connection with diet culture where you say swimming in diet culture and how to, to really help decrease that guilt and shame for parents and attempting to feed their children in this space.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that part of it starts with curating what you're seeing online, and there are so many people out there telling us that there's one right way to to be in our bodies and that there's one right way to be a parent. And I think it's so important that we just try to tune into what works for our family and what works best and um, I always say I'm much more concerned about my kids having a healthy relationship with food and not developing disordered eating than I am about them eating like cookies for dinner or anything else. And we do the best that we can. And if we're getting food on the table, like that's awesome.
0: I love how simply put that is too. And I think that, I mean, whether you're, you are a parent or not a parent, I think how you started out with like, what are you curating your feed with? Um, And I may be exposing myself here, but Jenna, when you were talking about like the Met Gala and Kim Kardashian, like, I just haven't been on social media. So I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think it is like surrounding yourself with what you want to see, right? What you want to put out there, what kind of parent you want to be, what kind of mother you want to be. Um, and because what we ingest like affects us. And when I say ingest, I don't mean food. I mean like <laughs> I'm talking mentally right now of like what we're seeing constantly sets the tone for us. So I love, love, love that you went there. And so this kind of is like a secondary question off of that because um we had your husband on our podcast, which we were so excited about because he was the first endocrinologist that we had on the podcast. So that was awesome. Um, Dr. Gregory Dodell. And so would love to hear like, how has, how has your marriage transformed since you guys started together? Because he, he exposed himself and saying like, he was not always a haze rooted endocrinologist. And he gave you so much credit of how much you know, you impacted him. Um, so how did your marriage kind of change as his eyes opened to the Hayes movement, to your parenting style, like just that whole dynamic would love, love to hear about that.
2: Yeah. So it's been such an interesting journey. And um, I mean, when my husband and I First, you know, we're kind of in the early stages of uh, dating. I think before we even were married, we worked together in. Um, like obesity research. He was working in the endocrinology department. I was working in the research department, but we were, had a little overlap at the, um, what was the New York obesity research center at the time. Um, So we were both very much trained in this weight normative approach. And when I started learning about health at every size, I remember coming back, coming home from this retreat. It was a mindful eating retreat and was the first time that I met people who were, um, you know, first time I'd ever heard about health at every size. Cause I went through grad school. I went through so many years of, you know, dieting in like the eighties, nineties, early two thousands and like health at every size or body positivity. None of this was in the conversation at all at that point. Like we were just inundated with, you know, pictures uh, you know, us weekly of like, look who gained 15 pounds or look who has cellulite or whatever. Like that was the only conversation that was happening um so when I started hearing about health at every size and I first learned about it at this mindful eating retreat the the retreat itself was very fat phobic but there were people there who were pushing back on that and saying like well diets don't work and taking the time to educate me um and I came back from this retreat and I was like you've got to hear about like everything I just learned about. And that started, I would say about like 10 years of conversations of back and forth of, um, you know, kind of him inching over very, very slowly. He spent a lot of time kind of agreeing with like diets don't work, but like people should just eat Quote, unquote healthy or kind of this very sticky middle ground um, and then i would say it was like more recently around the time I, that i was working on my book and just the process of writing the book I was pulling so much research and kind of everything was coalescing together to tell a narrative around weight stigma, weight stigma in the medical community, how it impacts people's health and what we can do differently, like what's a better way. Um, And there's so much research to support it. And, you know, him being a doctor, I think that like the research is important and and it matters. And um, I was talking, we both, I think, got really um, immersed in the research during this time. And, he had this like aha moment, kind of, you know, aha moment after 10 years of me, like lecturing him on Health at Every Size, where he was like, you know, that makes total sense. And and he just like got it. Um, and then he got on, uh, on social media, he got on Instagram, and that was like a whole other thing. I'm like, oh my goodness, I thought that, <laughs> and for those who don't know, he does like these like dance reels every Friday. and I'm like this is what I thought was like happened at bar mitzvahs when no one in my professional life is looking (laughs) and all of a sudden it was like this colliding of my two worlds but I'm really happy that he's that he's got in there and um as anybody who has tried to seek weight inclusive care anywhere probably knows like we are in such a desperate need of more weight inclusive medical doctors and it's just like a a gift, I think, to be able to have an endocrinologist that we can, that, you know, even I personally can safely refer clients to.
1: I can't unmute fast enough. Sorry. (laughs) Um, That was... So powerful. And I think what you said there too, I can only speak for myself because I'm older than Sam is, but it took me 10 years really too, to, of being in this field as a dietitian until I even really heard of health at every size and even intuitive eating to really make that switch too. So thank you for normalizing that and like bringing it up that it doesn't have to be this like overnight switch and, you know, starting those conversations and planting seeds, what do they say? The day the seed is planted is not the day the fruit is, is born. So I think that's super important. And I know we recently had an episode launch in season two or in between seasons where our dietetic interns were talking about, you know, asking questions to their preceptors that, you know, promote the weight centered care and, you know, pushing back when your morals don't align with what the other professional quote unquote is saying. So so thank you for starting that conversation for us.
2: Yeah, and I have to say like the the dietitians that are coming out of school now give me so much hope because I think that this generation is being, you know, kind of raised academically with the idea of health at every size and intuitive eating in the lexicon. And they're coming out challenging the professors, challenging like the systems that they're finding themselves in. And I think that I just feel really hopeful about that. Um, but within the medical community, there's a lot that they're up against, and especially like, um, you know, in endocrinology, I think is one of the most fat medical specialties there is Um, so it's really hard you know I just want to like put out there for doctors or for people who are you know just starting to ponder this paradigm like it's really hard to shift away from like everything that you've been taught basically in medical school and the guidelines that are coming out from your medical associations and things like that you know this is really running contrary to it but the research is there to support it I'm confident
0: Absolutely. And not only is it hard, you know, to navigate that relationship with doctors or medical professionals, but also that, you know, Gregory is your husband. So I, we did do one episode with our husbands and how, like, uh, like how their relationship with food has changed since Jenna and I have become intuitive eating anti-diet dietitians. So I would love to hear from you Because we get a lot of questions about, like, okay, I get intuitive eating or I'm on this intuitive eating journey and in the anti diet world, but my partner is like nowhere near that. And of course, these partners might not be medical professionals, but obviously, you know that. And I'm assuming your experience wasn't just like, okay, I'm gonna give Gregory a list of 20 things about Hayes and he's just gonna believe them and then everything's gonna be great. Like you said, it took years and years of planting seeds, creating curiosity. So do you have any tips for people who like, they're not just going to break up with their partners because they're not intuitive eating in a haze base, but anything that can help support these people that are like, I eventually, you know, I want to expose my partner, but I don't want to push it on them. Any words of wisdom there?
2: Yeah, and I think that there's almost two different things that come up here. I mean, one I think is talking with your partner and negotiating about creating a, you know, healthy and safe environment for you and your healing and recovery. So even if your partner doesn't get intuitive eating, even if they don't necessarily, you know, understand it or want to take it up for themselves, I still think that they can support you in your recovery. So I think that, and when I say recovery, it's recovery, whether you're in recovery from an eating disorder or disordered eating, or just like a lifetime of dieting and not feeling good about your body, um, you know, you can have conversations with your partner to try to, you know, help them support you, even if they don't get it. Um, and if a partner is not willing to, support you even in something that they don't understand then that becomes more of a marital issue and I think couples counseling can be really helpful there but you know hopefully your partner can understand that you have needs and that you're working on something for yourself and um, you know because they care about you try to support you and help you through that but in terms of how to then kind of get your partner to embrace intuitive eating or to kind of, you know, I, I, am a big believer as a therapist that we can't change other people. So I think part of it is like planting the seeds, putting out there what you can, and then understanding that that's kind of the end of what we can control. And they're going to do with that, what they can, but certainly giving like books, articles, social media accounts, conversations. I mean, I would say with, with Um, with Greg, like a lot of it was just in terms of talking things through of like, why do you feel this? You know, why do you believe this? Why do I believe this? Sharing, you know, articles and stuff and just having conversations.
1: I love that. Thank you. And that, that's just made me think of Lauren Cadillac, who's a dietitian who we've had on the podcast twice, the feel good dietitian posted a hysterical TikTok the other day that was like, what it's like living with two intuitive eaters. And it was, she opened up her fridge and there was like a, a Tupperware container, a leftover with like four noodles left. in <laughs> It was like her husband or husband. Um, her husband must have felt his fullness at that moment. and put it back. So I thought that was really funny and also a great segue into let's talk about how we opened up this episode and why what I eat in a day content is so problematic, um, unhelpful, disordered, wherever you want to take this. I have so many opinions and I would love to hear yours. <laughs>
2: yeah well, I think that anything that is kind of laying out what what one person eats in a day and giving that as a framework for something that we should all do or even or even just showing that that's what they do with the Im- implication that you know that's that there's something important about that, that there's some meaning to that, I think is really problematic because You know, we're all in different bodies, and there's so many different factors that make up, you know, the shape and size of our bodies. Most of them have nothing to do with like the kale smoothie that someone is showing in their, you know, Instagram or TikTok video. You know, genetics is by and far the, you know, biggest determining factor in terms of, our weight and body size and um, things that we have very little control over or no control over like um, socioeconomic status poverty chronic stress marginalization those things all have a huge impact um, and you know nutrition and what we're eating is like a, a, a tiny sliver of the um, pie graph so I think it's really misleading and it encourages comparisons it can encourages um, questioning our own internal wisdom when we say okay that person who I admire who's an influencer they eat that and I eat more than that or I eat less than that and what does that mean about me it just brings in so much noise in our head that we don't need
0: again I can't unmute quick enough either so I love how you bring up how it can be harmful, right? How it can be unhelpful. And then I also want to kind of bring up the opposite and say, and, and see if you agree with this or even you as well, Jenna, because there are a few and I wish I could pull them up, but I I probably won't be able to find them quick enough. There's a few creators that self-identify as fat and have reclaimed the word fat on TikTok that say what I eat in a day as a fat human being who doesn't want to lose weight. And they're showing with the intention of like, here's food that I eat that is normal. And they're not saying like, you need to eat this way. They don't put calorie counts. They're not, when we look at the intention, it's really just like normalizing the food and showing like, hey, you can actually eat food without the intention of changing your body. What are your thoughts on those, what I eat in a day videos?
2: So, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. I, I think that um, in a way, I don't feel it's for me to comment on what, how, what a fat person wants to do on their social media um, and what feels right to them and to their community. Um, and I, yeah, I think I'll just... Yeah, I'll, no. I'll, and thank you that. so much for saying
0: that. I was yeah. going to say, I have so many clients that absolutely love those videos and have just found them really helpful in a way. And, and I guess that's where I wanted to go with it. And again, we can all have our different opinions on things um, of just how I grew, cause I put out a video saying like, I hate what I eat in a day videos. And then all these people started talking about, but these creators are really helpful. And so I think it comes back to too like great point that like, it's not just a black and white statement, right? Of what can be said because there's so many different creators, so many different intentions. Everybody has a different relationship with food and body and all the things. So that was kind of where I was going with it. But Jen, I would love to hear your take or if there's anything you wanted to add to that as well.
1: No, I think that was a perfect way to answer it. And I don't know how i would answer that yet so i feel like that was one of the questions where i was like you know take some more time to think about it but i just think there was a video that went pretty viral the other day it was actually um diet culture rebel bonnie who posted you know if a video starts with somebody showing a picture of their body typically with their shirt up showing their stomach specifically, whatever it is. And then it feeds into or flows into what I eat in a day. Like you can likely assume this is a a day of disordered eating. And I thought the way that she like in a six second video said that was pretty powerful and like with everything like nutrition sammy like you were just saying is so nuanced um but there's just so much virality to the content of people showing a picture of their body and then what they eat in a day and i've found so many people be so deeply impacted by those videos in a negative way that it's just Mind blowing to me that they're still going around because I actually was featured in an article in the New York Post in 2020 because I was pregnant. I remember talking about what I eat in a day, like why it's harmful as I was like slathering my eggs with a bunch Mm. of ketchup. And like most of the comments on the video was like,
2: Who eats ketchup with
1: eggs? So there's just so much to go on here.
2: But I think that one thing that you're speaking to is how different messages are received differently um, based on who's putting it out there. And I do think that there's something very radical about seeing people in larger bodies eat freely um, because there's so much you know, cultural messages that like, if you're fat, you should be dieting, you shouldn't be eating a hamburger, you shouldn't be eating a donut or whatever. Um, and I do think it's important that, you know, people in marginalized bodies be centered and that the message of like, it's okay to eat a donut isn't just coming from the you know thin white um, practitioners out there, but from, you know, that people see people who look like themselves out there giving that message too. Because I think a lot of clients, you know, say, well, that's great that, you know, you can eat a donut being a thin person and not being subject to, you know, incessant fat phobia, but it's not the same for everybody.
0: I'm so happy you made that connection on mm-hmm. all of this. Cause I think that's such an important part of it. And I know as three, you know, white women that show up in social media on this space, I see that all the time is, you know, I can put up videos eating a donut or cake or cookies or whatever, and I'll get so many comments about that. And that's why it is so important to see that representation everywhere. And we should not be praised for eating a donut. And then someone in a marginalized bodies has a picture eating a donut. And they're like, this is why you know America is unhealthy. And that goes back to the fat phobia, the weight stigma, all of the things that exist in our culture <laughs> daily.
1: So to finish this part of the conversation, I guarantee you both of you get this comment on any video you post about this. But what about for the people that are like, but I like to see it for inspiration, <laughs> quote unquote. Cause I get that all the time.
2: Look, the internet is a vast, vast place. So like if you people, you know, I'm, I'm not out here to tell individual people what to do with their bodies or what to do with what they see, you know, what they choose to consume on social media. I, certainly as a psychologist, as a therapist, as an eating disorder specialist, like Do I think that we should be looking at what I eat in day videos for inspiration in a way that's like fostering a healthy relationship with food for most people, I would say no. But if you wanna do that, that is your right to do that. But I think that as um, professionals, as content creators, as people of the platform, you know, I think that we can put out there what we think is helpful and speak out about about trends and things that, that we think are harmful
0: the internet is a crazy place is basically yeah. what we're going to just wrap this with a bow. Yeah. And there's just, and and just pick any video that any of us have put out there and read, you know, the hundreds of different comments and opinions and things you're going to get on it. So we can't yeah. unfortunately make everyone happy, but I would also love to hear from you just, you know, you mentioned your book earlier and, um, I have it behind me on the shelf. I should have pulled it. It's in my little blue section over there, beautiful light baby blue. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about your book and for those who have listened to this episode and they're loving what they're hearing from you and they want to learn more, just give us a little bit about your book. And then of course, where people can find it as well.
2: So the Diet-Free Revolution is coming up on almost one year. It's one year book birthday uh, this June, which I'm super excited about it. I can't believe it's been out for a whole year. And, you know, it was a long time in the making. I have wanted to write this book um, since I was early on first starting Discover Health at Every Size. And again, there wasn't nearly as much conversation about it in the mainstream dialogue. And I was like, I've like learned about this thing and everybody needs to know about it. And I started writing this book and I was met with a lot of hesitance from the publishing industry of people saying like, well, you can't write a book telling people it's okay to be fat. Like, that's not, you can't do that. And it's like. Okay. So I sat with it and <laughs> thing, things things changed in the culture and come around now, however, seven years later, eight years later, uh, we can tell people it's okay to be fat and we will. And um, the Diet Free Revolution is a book that I really wanted in a way for my for my clients. I wrote it for people who were saying, like, oh, I'm really getting a lot of the work that we're doing together. I do a lot of work with mindful eating. I want my I want to share this with people. Are there any books that you can recommend, either for me to understand more about the research and the philosophy behind it, or to give to my partner? Because again, I get a lot of those people too who are like, well, you know, I'm making this change, but I want my partner to understand what I'm doing, or how do I explain this to my parents, or whatever. Um, and there was like at the time, really nothing out there that talked about mindful eating from a not from a weight inclusive, health at every size informed perspective. Mindful eating, I think, is a term that's gotten really co-opted by the diet industry. Um, and and it's important. And I don't I, I feel sometimes as a field where like abandoning mindful eating because it's gotten such diet culture and like weight loss connotations, but it really fundamentally is a He's aligned weight inclusive practice it's about accepting where we are now it's about listening to our body it's about nourishing our body it's not what Weight Watchers is teaching <laughs> um they've just kind of taken the term and taken it to mean something different so um I wanted to create that resource for people so it takes people through 10 steps um to understand you know starting from a place of understanding like why diets don't work why diet mentality is harmful um what the research really says about our weight and health, because a lot of the pushback I get when I talk to clients is like, but I'm not healthy at this weight or I need to lose weight to be healthy. So I think that, you know, some of this book really helps answer that question and has a lot of resources and research citations for people who do, you know, want to see like, what does the science say, or, you know, want to retort people who say, you know, but my doctor says this or whatever. So, and then we look, we, we kind of walk through like what you can do instead. Once you realize that like dieting isn't the path. I think a lot of people, especially if you're just learning about intuitive eating or mindful eating um, or anti-diet from social media, we get the message that, you know, dieting is bad. And, but then it's like, people get really overwhelmed. People can say like, okay, like I'm not dieting anymore, but like, ah, uh, what do I do? Like it's, you know, cause dieting Gives us that structure, it gives us a sense of safety and security in that, you know, if we just do X, Y, and Z, then we'll be okay. So in a way, I wanted to not mimic diet culture, but but mimic that structure that I think that people need when they're first leaving behind diet culture to, you know, say, okay, these are practical steps, tools, Practices that you can do to help you heal your relationship with food, and that's why it's kind of divided into 10 steps. Um, and there's a big focus on mindfulness, a big focus on radical self acceptance, and really the idea of how can we accept our body, even if we don't like what it's doing all the time, how can we? create a relationship with our body where we are offering it compassion, where we're treating ourselves kindly, and where, most importantly, we're freeing up all of that mental energy that's spent hating ourselves and hating our bodies so that we can go out and live our lives and, like, focus on the things that are more important. And the book is uh, available, The Diet-Free Revolution. It's available wherever books are sold. It's on paperback, ebook and audio. And I was super excited that came out on audio books. I like listen to all my books. So that's an option too.
1: I just ordered it. And now I'm also going to order it on audio because I love that. That's my favorite, my favorite way to listen to books and everything that you just said, especially the connection. I feel like we need to have you back for a part two to talk about mindful eating and like what it really means versus what Weight Watchers and Noom and all of these other diet programs or dietitians even are sharing what that means. And um, that really resonated with me because sometimes I feel, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but like insecure about sharing or stating that phrase out of fear of what people will think I mean by it. Um, But it's really, it's just affirming to hear you. excuse me, share it in this way. And I'm excited to read and share your book. So thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you.
0: Awesome. So for anybody who is listening, who's like, okay, where we have, where the book is at, where can they <laughs> find you? We've said it a few times, but where can they find you on the internet if they want to learn more?
2: So I am on social media at the anti-diet plan. I am most active on Instagram. Um, I am on the World Wide Web at uh, drconison.com is uh, the main website about me. And then if you're interested, I do have a, uh, I run a group, a a fat positive group therapy practice in in New York City. And our practice website is conisonpsychologicalservices.com. And then I also have a uh, online mindful eating program. And that course information is at theantidietplan.com. Fantastic. All around. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.